Welcome everyone to No Need to Argue with Kobe Wittick. We uh, have a fun episode today. I'm going to be talking a little bit about the MLB playoff race, my Rockies in particular, you know, the hot run that they've been on and what they're going to be able to do with it. We will definitely touch base on Urban Meyer and the whole fiasco going on at OSU. And then I'd like to end on a happy note with Phil versus Tiger 2018 coming up here uh, in November the day after Thanksgiving. So a lot of fun stuff to get to today. So let's uh, let's go ahead and get started. So MLB playoff race. This is one thing I wanted to get out and discuss with everything going on. Uh, my Colorado Rockies are definitely making a big push. Uh, would like to see them push to win the division, uh, but we will see how that plays out. Uh, you know, this past week they went down to Atlanta. They were playing a really, really good uh, Braves team that is leading their division and sweep a four-game series. Um, absolutely remarkable to watch them play. Offense really came through. Pitching was good. You know, obviously against a good team, you're going to let up some runs. But you know, the way they went about their winning was absolutely awesome. It was offense. It was consistent. You know, they had a few big innings here and there, um, but it really was very consistent the way that they played uh, every single game. Hard part, we watched them come home against the San Diego Padres, uh, worst team in our division, and they lay an egg, which I think you know fans expected in some way, uh, which is unfortunate because coming after you know a four-game sweep of the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta, you'd really like to see your team come home and just take care of the Padres. I mean, the Padres are, you know, bottom tier. They're, you know, somewhere right around, I think, 30 games below 300. Um, And so it's just, you know, it's like, let's just take care of business. Let's go, let's go home. Let's, you know, win the series, if not sweep these guys, take care of business in our division and move on. And I think that's the tough part that, you know, took place uh, you know, two nights ago on Tuesday. Now, last night they bounce back. They come and have a great win. John Gray pitched really, really well. Um, and I think, you know, they're progressing in the right direction. They're getting hot at the right time, and they're starting to play really well. They got a game today at uh, 1.10 p.m. local time, so, you know, we'll see if they can kind of wrap up, win the series, take two out of three. You know, the one loss stinks, but that's okay. Let's get two out of three. Let's win the series. And then let's bring in, you know, our next opponent and let's see how things go. St. Louis comes into town uh, next uh, for a weekend series. And then San Francisco, uh, you know, after that. So, you know, we definitely have, um, you know, a lot of big series coming up. We got, uh, you know, a lot of things that we need to take care of if we're going to make a playoff push, whether that be, you know, really hitting a hot streak and winning the division or at least trying to sneak into that wild card race uh because you know the hard part about that wild card race right now is that you know we have the Brewers and the Cardinals currently ahead of us right now we're a half a game back we have Philly right on our butt at one game behind us and then we have the Dodgers three games behind us you know Nationals Pirates Giants you know they're they're making you know headlines they're playing well they're doing what they're going to do but you know, that's a lot of games to try and make up if everybody ahead of you is going to be playing where they need to be playing. Now, you know, as far as the division goes, you know, 
Diamondbacks just keep winning, and it, and it they have a really good team. It was unfortunate last year to lose to them in the playoff game, um, but it, it's just they have a really good team, and they continue to win. And every time I'm watching the Rockies, I'm keeping an eye on how are the Dodgers doing, how are the Diamondbacks doing, and the Dodgers are kind of here and there. They'll win one, they'll lose one, they'll you know kind of go 50-50. They'll you know maybe lose a couple, but then they'll come back and win a couple, and so they're kind of you know, tearing up in the right direction, but they're hovering, you know, right around that, that 50, 50 mark. And it was a couple weeks ago, I was talking with some buddies and I said, you know, I think the Rockies got to get to 90 wins to make the playoffs. And at that point, that means that they needed to win about 25 games. And I think, you know, 90 games should get us into the playoffs. I don't know if it's going to win our division. You know, the Diamondbacks right now are sitting at 71 and 56, you know they need 19 more wins to get to 90. You know we'll 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 see what happens. You know they're they're really hot right now. They're playing really well. They're playing well on the road. They're playing well at home. Uh, you know, and a team like that is just going to be tough to beat down the stretch as they gear up and know what they need to do to fend off the Rockies and the Dodgers trying to make a push. So you know 90. I, I would hope that that would get us into the playoffs. Um, you know, but we're gonna we're gonna have to wait and see. You know, right now it's very interesting in the uh, National League because no one is truly, you know, just completely owning the National League right now. Everyone is really hovering right around, you know, 67 to 72 wins right now. And so it's going to be interesting to see how these teams progress heading in, how hot they get, you know, how their pitching is, if they can stay healthy for the rest of the season. Uh, you know, unlike kind of in the American League where, you know, in the American League, you have two, three teams right now that are just completely dominating. And then you have, you know, a couple, you know, second tier teams that are hovering around kind of that 60, you know, six to 73 win range. Uh, you know, cause obviously we got the Red Sox. I mean, they're sitting at 89 wins right now. You got the Yankees with 79 wins, second best team in the entire MLB, and they're going to have to play a wild card game. So, you know, we'll kind of see how that plays out. And that's always the, you know, biggest thing with professional sports, especially in baseball and basketball is when you split up these divisions and the divisions are a little uneven or the conferences are a little uneven, you know, you have teams making the playoffs, uh, you know, higher than wild card with less wins than wild card teams. And so, you know, that always brings up the discussion. Do you just do best records down, you know, across for the top five and in baseball and basketball, it's the same thing for years and years and years. You have teams that are 500 or under 500, uh, record making the playoffs in the Eastern conference. And yet in the Western conference, you have teams above 500 that are in the ninth, 10th spot in the West and not making the playoffs. So, you know, obviously that's always the big discussion and that's why they try to do the drafts the way they do and free agency the way they do to try and even the playing field. But it always seems, you know, same story, different time uh, as you move across. Now, you know, obviously you're going to have teams that make huge runs and are, you know, underdog Cinderella stories, those kind of things. You know, Kansas City Royals a couple of years ago won the World Series, had this amazing team. They played small ball. They were a lot of fun to watch. You know, this year they have 38 wins and 89 losses. I mean, they pretty much have the exact same record as the Red Sox leading all of the MLB, just the complete opposite. And so, you know, it's interesting to see, you know, the progression of how these, you know, teams go and how they play, you know, and then you have teams that, you know, make the huge 
free agent signings and have the big names that aren't making any noise either. When you look at, you know, the the Los Angeles Angels and, you know, Mike Trout and Pujols and all the guys that they have on that team and they're, you know, 13 games out of the wild card spot. You know, you look at the Washington Nationals, you know, Bryce Hopper is arguably the best player in all of the major leagues and his team is 6 games out of even making the wild card. So you have a lot of these teams that have the big names, they made the big moves, they, you know, have the free agents and they don't even make noise. So, you know, the MLB is very interesting in those those facets sometimes where, you know, if you have a good GM, you have a good manager, you have a good, you know, core in place, you know, you can build off with role players playing your game, have some good pitching, have a really good bullpen and you can make moves you know, to have a two, three year window of winning. And then after that, it's, well, you know, if our guys got, you know, too big to afford and, you know, their names are out there now and everyone wants them, you know, they go off, they sign their giant contract, they get paid, they can sit back now with all their money, knowing that they've, you know, won somewhere else or done something somewhere else. And that team never seems to really utilize what that person was brought in to do. Uh, you know, you look at the Athletic A's this year, you know, they're the second wildcard team in the AL with the New York Yankees and the A's for a long time have, you know, kind of had their years and then they go into a huge slump and then they kind of have, you know, a couple of maybe years and then they go into a huge slump. So it's good to see that team there. You know, obviously in the American League, you know, we've had you know, the Astros over the past year, year and a half, playing really, really good ball, defending champs. Cleveland Indians are putting themselves back on the map now for the past two, three years, still contending, still have a good core there. You know, the Yankees with their young core, they've made a few offseason moves to kind of bolster their veterans and see what they could do to make a push. And it's panning out, I mean, really, really well for them. You know, the Red Sox have been building up for a long time. You look at the National League, the Cubs, you know, really kind of have a good core there going. They've been able to build, you know, last two, three years, stay really competitive, but how long is that going to last? You know, Atlanta Braves kind of came out of nowhere this year, you know, based on where they finished last year to, uh, you know, kind of come into contention. You got, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers who have been building for a few years. So you have these teams that kind of put things in place and, you know, can kind of have these years where it's like, all right, we're going to be really competitive, but it's how long can you make that last and what moves are you going to make to continue, you know, that progress and progression upward. You know, the Rockies, you know, my team here, it's always, you know, every year we get so excited and we have some good names and we have some good players come in, but, you know, every year we fall into those big lulls where we lose, you know, two, three, four series in a row and we can't pitch and, you know, we have injuries and we have all these things take place. And this year, you know, they've done a really good job with their starting pitching. That's what they've been building up for the last couple of years. I mean, Freeland, Gray, Anderson, these three have been truly pitching out of their minds considering that they have to pitch majority of their starts in Coors Field at Mile High, you know, an offensive park. And, you know, for them to, you know, pitch five to seven innings, giving up two to four runs, like that is pretty good in this park against some of these good teams. And so it's all about our offense and what is our offense going to do that night? You know, offense, it's one of those things where if we can score four to five runs every game at home, we have a really, really good chance at winning. But it's when our offense struggles that 
you know, we just completely fall on our face. You know, if we are able to only get one or two, maybe three runs, I mean, you're still talking a really, really tough, uh, you know, outing for our pitchers just based on the park and the atmosphere of, you know, this Mile High City. And so it's been a lot of fun to watch them win, you know, all these series in a row and what they've been able to do and some of the teams they've been able to come in and just take care of business. And, you know, the bounce back of this team, I think, is really awesome this year. You know, in years past, you know, you would see them, you know, lose a series, lose a couple games they weren't supposed to, maybe to a team below them, and you would see them, you know, in their body language and everything would just kind of go down and it would be, all right, you know, same old story, you know, this is, you know, bad luck or it's, you know, they would kind of use the, you know, mile high or it's so hard to win at home and these kind of things. And, you know, if the pitching is doing well, you know, those guys got to step up and make sure that the offense is, is there for them. And I think with the lineup and everything that we have going, it's really, really exciting. But the hard part, too, is with all these guys and the all-stars that we do have and the big names that we are building here in Colorado is how long and what is this window for us to be competitive. You know, last year we make the wild card game. Unfortunately, we lose to a really, really hot team in the Diamondbacks. You know, this year it's like, okay, we're making a push. We're a couple, you know, spaces out of making the playoffs we could even make a push to win the division but how are they going to finish over the next month and a half of this season you know what is their push going to be what's their mentality going to be if we can make that wild card game great you know who are we going to be playing is it going to be the phillies is it going to be the cardinals is it going to be the brewers is it going to be the diamondbacks you know is it going to be the dodgers i mean it could be you know three teams from the nl west making it depending on how everyone finishes and so it's you know, going to be really, really interesting. And I'm really excited to just watch and see how these guys play. But what scares me is that if it doesn't happen this year, you know, do we have enough in the tank for next year with some of our aging guys and some of the expiring contracts and some of the things that are going on? The pitching core is really young, which is great. You know, that is something that we could build and hopefully be able to keep moving forward for the next two to three years. But you know, what is the offense? What does the defense look like? What is everything around those guys going to look like over the next two to three years? Are we going to be able to stay competitive? Are we going to be able to keep this train moving? So that's that's the big question right now is is what is it going to look like? And I, I like I said, I, I hope the Rockies get to 90 wins because even if we get to 90 wins and we don't make the playoffs, that means that we had a really, really good season and teams just had better seasons than us and that's when you go back to the drawing board and say well we had 90 wins it was a really good season what do we need to do moving forward what are the changes we need to make you know to get this thing over the hump because we have a good core pitching we have a good manager we have core all-stars that are you know showing up night in night out and yet we're not able to make the playoffs we're not able to hit that mark that we need to in the NL West and with the NL West getting better it, it's something that you know we can't sit back and just keep this team together for the next two to three years and think that oh we'll just get better you know every single year we'll learn every single year and we'll be able to you know get this thing over the hump because teams are going to continue to get better and they're going to continue to find new players they're going to continue to sign free agents to get themselves over the hump if they're not able to do so this year and I think you know Dodgers are one of those you know their bullpen needs some help. 
The Giants are definitely one of those, you know, where they had their, you know, four, five, six years of just dominance and winning, you know, the World Series every other year. And now they're kind of tapering off. So it's like, what are the moves that that team is going to make, you know, with some of the core guys that they have? You know, what are what are they going to do there? Uh, you know, the Padres will have to kind of see what happens with them. Obviously, they have some really good players there, but they're young. They're, um, you know, kind of trying to rebuild what they have there and we'll see what happens so it's going to be very interesting I'm excited for the end of the MLB season you know this is the best time of year with with this going on and football starting and college football starting and and everything else that we have to look forward to um, in the fall and uh, you know obviously you know my favorite thing about the fall is uh, is the beer I had a Sam Adams Oktoberfest last night and it tasted just so good I was very uh, surprised to see it out this early um you know in the fall but gosh it's just the best football and fall beer is just i mean you you can't beat it so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and and enjoy this you know end of the mlb season we're gonna see how everything plays out i hope my rockies can make a run you know obviously i love watching the playoffs in the world series every single year um and seeing how these guys play because you know playoff baseball is so different than regular season baseball and it's, you know, similar in other sports where the playoffs are just completely different. You know, football is one of those very different sport when you get to the playoffs. Basketball is pretty similar, uh, you know, nowadays. It used to be a little different here and there. But, you know, baseball is one of those that is, you know, truly just completely different ball game. And it's, you know, different strategies and it's how you're going to outsmart the other guys and how you're going to, you know, beat them in every facet of the game. And, uh, you know, it makes for really long games when you have all the pitching changes and those kind of things going on. But it's definitely a chess match when it comes to playoff baseball. And that's what makes it so exciting. So we're going to see how everything takes place with that. So uh, transitioning here now, Urban Meyer, uh, you know, it came out that he's going to be suspended for the first three games of the season this year. And they didn't fire him. They uh, they suspended him and said, you know, hey, this is, you know, what we feel is best. They also suspended the AD for three games. I, I, I don't understand the suspension of the athletic director for three football games. Like, what is that, you know, going to do whatsoever? Um, but, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, I was watching this morning on SportsCenter and a few other talk shows, and, and they were, you know, playing the press conference with Urban Meyer. And I think the hardest thing about watching the press conference was how unemotional Urban Meyer was about the entire situation and how, you know, he kind of, you know, took blame on, you know, I wasn't prepared for these things and I should have been. And, you know, some of the things that he said were just so unemotional given the situation that was at hand and taking place. And I think, you know, the hard part about this situation in you know any facet when it comes to you know spousal abuse or you know sexual abuse or anything like that that's taken place over the past couple years I mean really really big obviously I'm sure it happens all the time everywhere but you know when you have these huge you know groundbreaking stories that take place over the past two to three years you know and you try to give notice to what's taking place and how to maybe handle it and it seems like no one ever learns from it And I think that's what drives me crazy about, you know, this entire situation and how it's played out is 
no one ever seems to learn from these situations. You know, they watch the news and they see all these things take place and the conferences and, you know, all these things. And yet no one ever learns from it. No one ever sits back and says, okay, you know, what is happening right now with, you know, my situation? Who are the guys that I'm working with? You know, have they had stuff happen in the past? Maybe I should investigate a little bit, you know, further to find out what's going on. It's so much better to always get on top of these things. And you're telling me that if Urban Meyer, and you're telling me that if in 2015 Urban Meyer would have fired Zach Smith and come out and held his own press conference and said, this is something that happened in 2009 in Florida that I was aware of, that I talked to him about, that we did these things to try and help him, and it just happened again, that he wouldn't have been praised for it? I mean, you're telling me that in 2015, when this happened, when it was all going about, if he would have taken the lead and investigated himself or had people investigate or turned him in and said, I'm done with this, you know, you're ha- you had your one chance to fix this and you didn't, and now it's happened again six years later, that you're fired. I mean, the guy's a wide receiver coach. I, I understand that all coaches are important. Trust me, I played college football, and I loved all of my coaches, and I understand the importance of each coach at each position and what they bring to the game. But it's a wide receiver coach. It, it doesn't matter if it's an offensive coordinator, if it's a wide receiver coach, if it's your ball boy. If something like this is taking place, you can always find someone else. You're telling me that Urban Meyer, with his connections, what he has built there at OSU, couldn't find a better or at least equal wide receiver coach to come in for Zach Smith after everything that's gone on with this guy. I understand friendships and being with him for a long time, but at the same time, you got to think of you know your future and what this means to you and your ethical you know well-being as a person and what you feel about a certain situation. And I think that's what plays into this so much more with this situation in Urban Meyer is you know what kind of a man hears about this or knows about this in some way, shape, or form and in a sense does nothing to bring it to light to help the wife, Courtney, to, you know, put it in the public that I'm aware of this and I'm doing this, this, and this to help this situation but Zach Smith will be, you know, currently suspended for the 2015 year or 2016 year. I mean, couldn't you do that? Couldn't you at least suspend the guy for a year and say, "Hey, I want you to, you know, go into, you know, marriage counseling and I want you to take care of this and I want you to fix it and figure out what you guys need to do. Whether it's divorce, whether it's you work together and figure this thing out, but put him on a probation, suspend him for a year. Say, "Hey, we'll relook at this in a year." You know, I'll bring an attempt to take your position at the wide receiver spot. And in one year, you have a year to take care of what you need to do here and fix the situation. You know, something to acknowledge what is taking place and that you do have a heart and that you do care what's going on and that you're not so focused about a freaking wide receiver coach as you're trying to push for a national championship. I could come in and be a wide receiver coach for him for no money, and probably do a pretty decent job. I'm not saying that I'm Zach Smith, but with my history in the game and playing tight end and everything that I know about the game, I could probably do a decent job and at least get by at OSU. 
And you're telling me that Urban Meyer couldn't find a single other person that's as good or better than Zach Smith? I mean, if Zach Smith is the best wide receiver coach out there, okay, that's fine. Maybe he is. But, I mean, do you really need the absolute best wide receiver coach and to cover up all of these things that have been taking place with him and his wife over all these years? Because he's the best wide receiver coach and you cannot win a national championship without him? Get out of here. That's just ridiculous. You know, Urban Meyer on this whole situation, you know, when it came out, I think if you wanted to take a stand, you had to fire this guy. You had to let him go. You had to make a stand that this is not going to take place and that anybody who knows about these things taking place is not going to hide it. And that at OSU, the Ohio State University, They are not going to stand for this, no matter what. And that's the problem that's taking place, is all these universities are so caught up in everything that they need to do, either athletically or with donors and all these things going on for a national championship that they completely forget about. They have how many other students and how many other people that are supporting this university because of what that university stands for and what that university is supposed to symbolize. Football games are great. Trust me. I love it. You know, I played football in college. It was the greatest thing on Saturdays to see the entire town come out and all your, you know, fans be there to support you and what you're trying to do. But people support and go to universities because of what they stand for and what they, you know, stand to build off of from going to that university. What they will benefit from from going to that university. It's just, it's just ridiculous to me. I think, you know, Urban Meyer, three-game suspension, you know, big whoop. You know, it is what it is. He's still going to be probably contending for a title this year. You know, when that happens, you know, who knows what will come out. You know, is this going to be a redemption thing? Is his team going to, you know, back him up and play for him even harder because of, you know, all the things that he's had to endure over this, you know, beginning of the year? Come on. Like, it's ridiculous. He's got a really good team. He's a really good coach. I respect the man for his ability to coach and lead young men. But at the same time, you know, we are human beings. And there's a moral standard that we need to follow given everything that we endure and that we've seen happen in the past. And it seems like this continues to happen, continues to happen, and continues to happen. And no one ever learns from it. If you get out in front of these situations that you know about or that you've heard about, you will be revered. If Urban Meyer would have just stepped up to the mic three years ago and said, this is taking place, this is the second time, I am done with it. You are fired. Zach Smith will no longer be involved in any of my coaching staffs or anything that I'm going to do in my life. I wish his wife the best. I am sorry for everything that has taken place. But he's done. He would have been so celebrated for more than any of his football accomplishments. It, it would have, he would have been there forever. No wrong could have ever been done with Urban Meyer again because he was so proactive in hitting this situation in the face and taking care of what he needed to take care of given what was happening. That That's my take on it. It's just... It drives me crazy. I think it's ridiculous the way you know people cover these things up and what takes place with this. And I don't understand you know 
Zach Smith, like, what kind of a man are you to do this kind of stuff? I mean, you're making tons of money. You are one of, you know, many coaches in one of the highest ranked universities in education and in football. What you've been able to build there has been tremendous since Urban Meyer took over. And you're going home and doing these things to your wife and treating her poorly and doing all these kinds of things. Like, for what? Look at your bank account. Look at your life. You have a wife that loves you. She's stuck around through all the things that you've put her through. And this is the kind of stuff that you're going to do to her in your spare time when you're not on the football field. Come on, man. Grow up. It's just ridiculous. So, yeah, you know, it happens. That's what everyone says. Yeah. It's going to continue to happen. This will definitely not be the last of it. And, you know, it's unfortunate. It really is. It's truly unfortunate that, you know, we're going to have another one of these situations come up in the next year, two, three years, you know, maybe multiples. And it just, it baffles me. It really does. That, you know, no one ever learns from the mistakes of others or the mistakes of themselves. And this is something that, you know, the public is going to, you know, take in and, you know, there'll be marches and there'll be rallies. And after that, you know, people will go on living their lives because everyone's so busy and consumed in what they're doing anyways, that until the next one comes up, it'll be, you know, a mute point. So, you know, mission accomplished OSU. You suspended it for three games. You know, hopefully that makes the people happy that, we're the most upset about this. Definitely doesn't make me happy. Uh, I would say get rid of the guy. And, you know, I would say that about any coach. So it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but moving on here, let's get, let's get to the end on a high note. Okay. So this is something that we have. Everyone can look forward to coming up here in November. Tiger Woods versus Phil Mickelson. I I wish this would have taken place 10 to 12 years ago. And I think it's so awesome that you know golf and these two are really trying to expand you know the way golf maybe is perceived or seen by golf fans, by the public, and trying to spice up a little bit of, you know, the game of golf and the competitiveness in golf. You know, I I talk to so many people that are like, well, you know, yeah, golf is, you know, fun to play, but I can never watch it. You know, it's just so boring to watch. And it's like, well, if you've never like truly played or tried this game, then you don't understand what you're watching when you, when you watch golf. When you understand the difficulty of the shots that these guys make and the difficulty of shooting the scores that these guys are able to shoot, then you don't understand the game of golf or you've never truly tried to play the game of golf. You know, going putt-putt or going to top golf, you know, that's not truly trying to play golf. You know, go out on a golf course, hit the driving range, go play nine holes, go play 18 holes and see what it takes to try and shoot the scores that these guys are shooting. It is so hard. I've been playing for, you know, probably 
close to 18 years and I I still have yet to, you know, progress myself over 18 years of playing recreationally to a point where I feel like even remotely happy with my game after any round. You know, I've had a couple, you know, low 9 uh, you know, scores, but I mean other than that it's hey, I can get a par every now and then, but you know, those 7s, 8s and 9s are going to are going to fall into place just about once or twice every single round. And when you really understand that, that's what makes watching golf on TV so much fun, especially in these big-time tournaments and the majors. With this competition, it kind of takes it to a whole new level. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun for just about anybody to watch if you're you know, at least a halfway sports fan. You know, you may not be the biggest golf fan, but if you're a sports fan... Watching this, it's going to be pay-per-view. These guys are going to be mic'd up. You're going to be able to hear everything that takes place and goes on, you know, I mean, right then and there out of their mouths, every discussion. You know, there's going to be smack talking going on. It's going to be 1v1 in Las Vegas the day after Thanksgiving. Everyone's going to be full. It's going to be Black Friday. People are going to be, you know, shopping frenzy. And I'm going to be sitting on my couch with a beer, some leftover turkey, watching these two battle it out. And I think it's so exciting for this to happen right now. You know, anybody who knows golf knows all about Tiger versus Phil and their battles and the caddies and the relationships that have taken place, you know, between the two over the years. But I just wish they would have done this 10 to 12 years ago. You know, when these guys were, you know, kind of, you know, right in the midst of their prime, you know, winning tournaments and, you know, placing, you know, right next to each other and battling it out all the time. Gosh, how much fun would that have been to see Tiger, you know, in the, you know, 05 to 07, 03 to 07, you know, time range, battle it out with Phil and, you know, really see what these two could do on a course, match play, 1v1, winner take all. I mean, they're playing for $9 million. And Phil's already kind of started the smack talk, you know, saying, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, push too hard because he's like, I hope Tiger is a teammate at the Ryder Cup this year because Tiger's going to need to be a captain's pick to make it. But, I mean, there it's going to be fun. You know, it's going to be back and forth. They're going to be, you know, chipping and, and hollering at each other, and it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, Tiger said, or I'm sorry, Phil, you know, in an interview said, you know, this is going to be the easiest $10 million I've ever made. And so, you know, a real, <laughs> real bold move to say that and to put it out there and to kind of start the chirping. And, you know, it just makes it so much fun for the buildup of what this is going to be. Because I promise you, you know, come November 1, this thing is going to be building up like crazy, uh, you know, taking place in Vegas. And I'm sure Vegas is going to be an absolute just mess when it comes time to getting out to the course and seeing these two and the money that will be made off of the crowds that are going to come just to watch these two players only play. And I hope that for the game of golf, this leads somewhere to, you know, maybe some of these rivalries and, and you know, players that we have in the PGA right now, get them out in their prime and do some of these things. You know, maybe, you know, twice a year in the off season you know, like they're doing and maybe November and like February or something like that, you have, you know, two of these match, you know, play situations 1v1 with some top players 
and make it a yearly thing and, and, you know, build it up to what, you know, could be a lot of fun in the golf off season to watch and see something really competitive, really enjoyable during, you know, kind of everything else that's going on. You know, obviously football is going to own the fall and then we have basketball start up and then we have hockey start up and we have all these things take place. But gosh, if you could throw in, you know, a really high end golf tournament like this once every couple months in the winter months, oh man, that would just, it would make everything so much sweeter. You know, how how awesome would it be to watch Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka? you know, go out there and do something like this. You know, they're really, really good buddies. They're close, but, you know, to put them 1v1 in a match play situation, it'd be pretty entertaining to watch those two. You know, or you do something like Rory, you know, McElroy against Jordan Spieth. You know, there's been talks of a little bit of feud and that they're not the best of friends. You know, that would be really fun to watch those two, you know, kind of battle it out and go at it. Or maybe you do Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, you know, all time like best friends, best buds go out there and do that. Or maybe you do, you know, a 2v2, you know, and maybe you run something like that where you do a match play tournament with just, you know, a couple guys here and there and you do some team stuff. And it's real small, it's real close, it's, you know, mic'd up, it's, you know, this is going to be just a, you know, one day event and we're going to do this and this and, you know, we'll play one round in the morning of best ball and then the next round we'll play, uh, you know, every other, we're going to play, you know, best shot or we're going to do something, you know, to make it, you know, entertaining for everybody and make it a full day thing and, you know, everyone can make some money and it would be really enjoyable to watch. So, like I said, I, I, I'm really excited about this. I think, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. Friday, November 23rd, the day after Thanksgiving, it's going to be held at the Shadow Creek Golf Course in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, there's already a banner of these two. You know, it's called The Match, Tiger versus Phil. And, you know, it's going to be Thanksgiving weekend in Vegas. It's going to be, uh, you know, so much fun to watch these two. My only wish is that it would have taken place 10, 12 years ago. But, Hey, better late than never, I guess. You know, these two, it's still going to be, you know, number one, number two of their era in the golf game. Uh, You know, they both are still competitive. Tiger's gotten back into it. Phil has, you know, been staying competitive over the past, you know, five, six years, uh, you know, with everything going on with his arthritis and aging and everything else that's going on. Um, You know, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how these two play you know, against each other and their strategies against each other and what the formats are going to look like and, you know, what, I mean, what they're going to say to each other. I mean, having these guys mic'd up and it being pay-per-view, I mean, I tell you what, I'm going to be buying it. I'm going to be throwing a party that Friday. I'm going to invite all my friends, any family members who want to come. I'm going to put it up on the big screen. We're going to smoke some ribs. We're going to smoke some, you know, chicken wings. We're going to have a good old time. I'm going to pull out the Traeger and we're going to just, you know, cook up a bunch of food, we're going to have a bunch of drinks, we're going to watch these two go at it on pay-per-view, and we'll see what happens, but uh, very excited about that, you know, I heard about that news, and uh, definitely wanted to just kind of, you know, talk about it, and inform anybody else who hadn't heard about it, because this is something that's really exciting to me, I love the game of golf, I love playing, I love watching, and, uh, you know, knowing that now we have something to look forward to after the Ryder Cup before the Masters, 
next year and the PGA Championship next year because they're moving the PGA Championship up up now next year to May. Uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I'm really excited, and I hope uh, any golf fans out there are definitely going to be tuning in and checking this thing out. So that'll do it for me today, guys. Uh, looking forward to the preseason games that we have going on this week in the NFL. Broncos, I, uh, I hope they can find a way to win. They, uh, I think they need to probably just play Chad Kelly the entire game uh, (laughs) because he seems to be the most productive quarterback that we have but you know we'll see what happens we got a lot of games this week you know third week in the preseason is a lot of fun because it's you know the dress rehearsal it's you know you get your starters out there for almost you know three three and a half full quarters you know they're really playing the entire game so it's real competitive it's a lot of fun to watch and then they gear up for you know the fourth preseason game and all the cuts that are going to take place and finalizing you know that 53 man roster so uh you know check out those games this week it'll be a lot of fun um hopefully our broncos on friday at 5 30 will take care of business with washington and alex smith so we'll see how how that plays out rockies uh you know they start here in just about two two hours uh mountain time against san diego so hopefully those guys can take care of business win this series move on to the next let's figure out what we need to do and uh you know we'll kind of move forward with that after san diego we got st louis starting right away tomorrow coming in for the weekend series then we have to go to uh the los angeles angels for a two-game stint on Monday, Tuesday next week, and then we have the Padres. You know, after LA, we go down to San Diego. We hit the Padres for two days next week, and then we have the uh, Giants coming to town after that. So, a lot of big games coming up for the Rockies. Need to take care of business. Got to win today against San Diego. Win two out of three. They got to, got to, got to, got to take two out of three against the Cardinals. St. Louis right now is playing good ball. They're ahead of us in the wild card race. They're coming into our house. We need to take care of business, win at least two out of three this weekend against them. Angels and Padres next week, you know, these guys are out of contention. They're not playing for anything meaningful. They're just playing to play the rest of the year and to, you know, get better and do what they need to do. They may be bringing up you know, some young guys to, you know, see what they have in their farm league. But I mean, those are four games next week away down in Southern California that you need to take care of business before you, you know, go into the final stretch of the year. So excited about where the Rockies are excited about everything that's moving forward and going on, uh, in the world of sports. So I hope you enjoyed this. Check me out on Twitter. No need to a at no need to a, so uh, let me know what you like, what you don't like. I'm just here to uh, you know, speak about all my opinions and, and crazy things that I want to talk about, and I appreciate anybody who listens. So hit me up, uh, whether it's good or bad. I'm uh, always looking to get better and learn on uh, you know, how I can improve you know, this podcast or what I'm doing or how I'm doing it. So I hope everyone enjoys. I will look forward to talking with you all. Uh, first thing next week, we'll kind of wrap up the you know, third week of the preseason, look at how everyone was uh, doing. You know, we'll gear up for the beginning of the season there, and we'll definitely check in on how uh, my Rockies are doing and what the MLB final race looks like. So enjoy. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Once again, this is Kobe Wittick with No Need to Argue. Talk to you next time. Wow.